What's the most popular game that you can't stand? My name's Jonathan, and this is The Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about games as they'd like to know. This week, we are going negative. We're going to talk about beloved games that the game gurus of Snakes and Lattes hate. Terrible. Just terrible. Your choices are bad, and you should feel bad. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast. Joining me this week, Steve Tassi. Hello. And David Kingsman. Hello. A quick disclaimer before we begin. Taste in games is subjective. A game might be loved by one person and despised by another, and that is A-OK. Or it might just suck. Don't listen to Steve. You are not a bad person if you like a game that somebody else doesn't like, and never let anyone tell you different. Uh, my personal credo is actually never apologize for games you love. Always apologize for games you hate. And with that, we're going to get Canadian here and start with the apologizing. <laughs> the main thing that we're concerned with here is what is it about these games that make them popular with the general public and unpopular with enthusiasts? Let's let's start with probably the most popular game that I can't stand, Scattergories. Hmm. Uh, Scattergories is a party game, obviously. And uh, it's a game where it's you know we roll a die, we get a letter, and everybody has to write down words that start with that letter that fit different categories. There are two problems with this game. Two reasons why, to me, it is an absolute failure of a party game. Party games are supposed to be social, right? You're supposed to be interacting with people and yelling and carrying on and having a good time. In categories, everybody's sitting quietly off in the corner like they're doing their homework, sitting in detention. <laughs> and uh, actually, I, I, I've heard somebody calls it the homework game. I call it the detention game. So sitting there in for, for two minutes, being quiet, not looking up, not talking to anybody, doing stuff. And then comes the other part, which is even worse, the argument phase, <laughs> which is all about whoever, is yell, whoever can yell the loudest and browbeat the other players most viciously gets to score points and the other players don't. Um, huh. like, for, like for example, the letter is R and the, ca- the category is household tasks and somebody writes down rugs. Does that count? Mm. Answer depends on who can yell the loudest and who can browbeat the other players into okay, accepting that's... that their way is right because there's no actual way to figure out you know, objectively which is correct. And which is the rule that each answer must be a single word? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Okay. Because rug beating would be what I would write down to be a household task that starts with R. I was going to say, I feel if like... If it has to be a single word, then... Uh, then no. I'm not sure if it does or doesn't, but honestly, if somebody just happened to write down rugs, mm. and that was the thing, then this this is where the argument phase begins. I think if I were going to rules lawyer that particular one, and that's a topic we'll come on to in another episode, <laughs> my logic for that one would be, if it's a task, it has got to be a verb. In some way, shape, or form, and I feel like that's something that if that's the kind of group you're playing with, See, you should. This, set this it is up this right. is what I'm talking about. This is the argument phase. Because <laughs> there's no way you can get an actual objective answer to this. Taxes are a task. Oh. Okay, that's fair. You know, I'm filing my taxes is the verb. But I hate even you hearing say- you talk about this. <laughs> this is interesting because there's there's things about this game that I, I quite agree. I feel like the party the party game where you have to stick your head in a in a small little cardboard book and write things down is very odd. But I feel like it's also a party game for a specific set of people. And it's like, if you have ten Scrabble players in a room, this might appeal to them in that sense. Except but, the Scrabble players will hate the argument phase, well, that's and the fair. loud talky types will hate the detention phase. Although I don't, it personally, fails I don't on every see possible a lot of... level, and I don't get why people... W- would it make you happier if we moved it into the word game section instead of the party <laughs> game section? Well, it would be a little bit more honest Because then, then it's just like boggle or letter roll, sure, right? A very yeah. similar, mechanically, we have a criteria, and now we're going to go off and, and yet, write down And yet, unlike boggle things. or letter roll... Uh, Boggle and Letter Roll are not games that are cross-purposes with themselves. 
but you, there's, there's, there's no question as to whether or not rug is a word you can do with this particular collection of mm. dice in Boggle. True. It's there. The, the R is next to the U is next to the G. That's legal. It counts. Here's your three points. True. There's no argument. And, uh, and it doesn't drive people apart. It doesn't break friendships in the bad way, you know? It's funny. Of all the games I see people arguing about in the cafe, I don't think I've ever seen an argument about Scattergrace. Well, thank goodness for that. But um, one thing I will say, though, is I do like the strategy that Scattergrace presents of, all right, do to avoid, I go to for the really common word because no one else is going to go for it? Or do I use this really obscure word, but somebody else I know knows it at the table and they <laughs> might pick it as well? That, that sort of logic is really interesting. But the my problem with categories, and I don't hate it as strongly as you do, but my big problem with it is that doesn't do what it does very well enough. Mm. It spends too long doing other stuff mm-hmm. um, because of the nature of the way that the game is played. And I feel like the designers probably thought purely about um, how the mechanics were supposed to work and not how the interaction would go down. Do you have any feelings about categories, Steve? Uh, I'd like to see uh, couples start playing it. Uh, yes. Right. Because it is when you have only two people... Everyone scores the exact same amount of points every turn. Yep. All you have to do is fill there's, in there's all my the spaces. There's no winner. Word. Vote for yourself as being legit, and you both get 12 points. My thing I try and do with that one is I just say to them, hey, guys, look, use a minute or if you want to, half a minute, and then different people will come up with different answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether or not that works is another matter entirely, but it just I, I just kind of go for points that way, and maybe one person gets nine and one person gets seven, but... The, uh, so what is it about this? That, okay, I've I've just spewed all over the place about how about why I dislike this game. I think we found Jonathan's pet peeve. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> so what? It, obviously, that's just one opinion, though. What is it about categories that makes it so appealing to most people? Because it, it is tremendously popular. Simplicity. Uh, well, surely that can't be everything about it, though. I mean, no, there's plenty but of I other think, simple games that aren't as well-loved. Agreed, but I think it's one of those ones that um, you... It gives the illusion of being a party game because of the mm. way that it sells itself. And I think people like party games, and I think people also inherently like, um, you know, beating down their friends, which is, you know, the exact <laughs> bit of the game you don't like. But I feel like that the, 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 the combination of facets that are in this box form a gem that people really get a kick out of. Uh, but I think I do think simplicity is a strong point on it. You know, you're rolling a die, you're getting a letter, you're writing down twelve things that start with it, and you Go don't on. have to spell them correctly. Right. As long That's as you true. get the starting letter right, it's a word game where. How many word games can you think of where spelling isn't uh, killer? Dyslexics can be just as good at categories as anyone else as long as they can get the first letter right. So accessibility is part of it too. Um, also, I think uh, one of the answers as to why it's popular is going to be the same for every single game we talk about this episode, and that is it's popular because people know it. Yeah. Mm. Nostalgia, nostalgia, nostalgia. Uh, it is a game that has been around for a long time, and. Enough people know the name that they don't put any thought into whether or not they actually like the game. It's just that it's or familiar. whether it's going to be fun. It's just that they know it. Yeah. Uh, I, I once saw a, a wine program in which uh, the vintner being talked to said that um, Chardonnay is the most popular wine in the world because more people like it. <laughs> that circular logic I think applies to a lot of the games that are popular at our cafe they're popular because mm. people like them not because they're good mm. I think there's also the element and I, I agree I think this is holistic to this entire episode there's that element of people are daunted we 
we have a double-edged sword in the variability and the size of our game wall in the sense that I've people I've seen people come in and it's one of the things one of the games I'm sure is going to come up in this episode very shortly is Cards Against Humanity. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, but one of the things I love dearly about that game is it brings people into Snakes and Lattes because we are the supplier for all of Ontario and Canada. Well, in Canada, yes. And people walk in and they go, "Oh, there's more." And that's the best reaction that game has ever elicited out of anybody, in my opinion. But I think that the, the very, oh, there's more, can also be, oh, God, there's more. Right. And I think that's where the categories and, and the other games we're going to come to today, players, come in, of the wall is so daunting that they fall back on what they know. They cling to a lifesaver, uh, a, a life preserver of nostalgia. And familiarity. Yeah. Because yeah, that way, the, the nice thing about a game that you already know is you don't have to learn it. Mm. Yeah. You don't, and learning new things is challenging. Yeah, people are afraid of learning new stuff because they might get it wrong. Mm. They might they, they might look stupid in front of their friends, and who yeah. wants to do that on a fun night out? Yeah. Okay, David, your turn. What's a game that you just absolutely can't stand that is beloved by the general populace? I think my particular bet noir has got to be the game of life. Mm. Um, it's the one where I pull it off the wall because somebody asks for it and the thought going through my head is please don't ask for help. (laughs) Um, Because the big thing I want to do when somebody plays that is suggest there are so, so many games that take that basis of what you're doing in the game of life and in the, I don't know, whatever it is, 30, 40 years since it was released, I don't know when it came out, um, Game the original one was way back in the 19th century, actually. Oh, yeah, was it? It's been around for a long time. Shows what I know. Yeah, it's it's gotten a lot less dark. Like you used to have suicide and and uh, other unpleasant dissolution things. and alcoholism. It was a 19th century game that doesn't surprise yeah. me. Um, uh, in fact, I think that version might be better. But, uh, yeah, somewhere in the mid mid 20th century, uh, the people making it were like, "This is a." This is a game. Games are for kids. Mm. Let's stop telling kids that they're becoming alcoholics and killing themselves. <laughs> Which let's is probably have everything a good thing, to be, be cheerful, and happy, fun. And let's add green plastic landscapes to the game right. as well while we're about Unnecessary it. Unnecessary bits. But I think what... what okay, so though. 150 years then, let's say. Whatever it happens to be. But game design has come on leaps and bounds in that point. And there are things that scratch the same itch, but do it better. What itch is that? Living, living a life, you know, being a person. I think living a life, having having some connection to reality in a game rather than chess or something like that, where somebody who's playing a game of chess. Wait a uh, minute, are you telling me that priests and other religious figures don't always go diagonally down the halls? <laughs> Funnily enough, I am, although I now have the image of somebody bouncing off the walls of St. Paul's Cathedral as they walk around it, which is quite entertaining. But um, no, you know, something like that, there's no connection. And I feel like the game of life, at least, uh, is, you know, it's it's attempting to be a, a parody of life. And at least in uh, so far as, um, you know, it's, it's taking you through a career path, it succeeds. Unfortunately, real life doesn't contain the vast amounts of free money. Um, <laughs> but I do feel like uh, there's that itch. There's also the roll and move itch. Now, the right. one thing I do like from the game of life, which I think is kind of cool, um, although I'm, I'm glad it's not uh, ubiquitous in game design anymore, is that spinner. I think it's just done something different. Mm. Uh, and for the 
three of you that are listening that haven't played the game of life, uh, <laughs> instead of rolling a die in this game, there's a spinner that has numbers from one to ten, and you spin it like a roulette wheel. Uh, and this and one, it lets you do other things in the game as well. Yeah, I mean, there's like a, the lottery the, thing. The lottery, the gambling aspect, the spinner allows in ways that dice wouldn't. So Absolutely. It, it does have things that are neat about it. I, I'm, I'm actually saying something positive about the game <laughs> yeah. of life. Uh, not that I will ever, ever ever play it again <laughs> so you hate it as well then yeah what's what, what what's your problem with the game of life oh uh so many um <laughs> primarily it's a uh, a philosophical problem with the game is the fact that the game is you will do this mm. you will do this no matter what you have to stop on these spaces the game is going to force you to live a heteronormative capitalist life no matter whether you want to or not. You are going to get married. You are going to have children. You are going to buy a house. You're going to try to get as rich as you possibly can. And this is not a good set of lessons Agreed. to teach to 21st century children. Especially the bit about how your choices and your uh, beliefs have absolutely no effect on the result that your life will turn out. Your career is going to be decided for you at random and mm -hmm. you will accept it and you will deal with it because that's because you have no other choice. Uh, you're, 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 you will have children and the number of them that you will have and the time you'll have them is not going to be up to you. You have no choice in any of these things. This is a game that teaches you that life choices are not a thing. Mm. Which I suppose there's a certain group of people who believe in destiny and determinism and all that kind of thing. Yeah, who parents. would argue that that's <laughs> yeah, would argue that that's kind of what life is. But apologies to all the parents out there. That was terrible. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> but I do. I, I th there's there's too much of a um, almost Truman Show aspect right. about the game that your life is being narrated for you, which. Just isn't true, and I, I I I agree. I think that I hadn't formulated that thought fully yet, but I totally agree with that. And there are lots of games out there where the goal is to get as rich as possible, and I don't object to that being the goal. But it's the fact that this is not a game about specifically real estate or industry or something. Where, yes, that is yeah, the goal of the game. Profit is what it's about, yeah. This is a game about living a life, and yet it's boiled down to the fact that you want to be as rich as you possibly can mm. at the end of that life. Even, if you even your children are, yeah. are a dollar sign. Yeah. It end. very literally says you win at life if you have the most money. Yeah. And, and so, while money itself and wanting money is not evil or bad, mm -hmm. telling people that... Money is the secret to life. Yeah, I that's think, all that is, matters. That's this, all that matters. Is how, that this is, is how you will be judged. That's, that's bad news. This is how we determine who wins and who loses. Yeah. And I don't think that that's a good message to be sending. That's the main concern that I have with the game. Now, of course, uh, our, our dear friend Mandy Jelsma, who's previously been on the Snakes cast, will defend the game of life to the death. She has a huge amount of fun playing it. And I suspect that for most of the people out there who enjoy life, uh, the game of life, rather, um, they don't see it the same way that you and I do, Steve. They, <laughs> they see it as being a random, fun, silly thing that just happens to you. And, and we're commie pinkos, so Well, it's really. true. We're social justice warriors, so obviously what we say doesn't matter. <laughs> but, but I think the other thing is, and I, I, I'm going to say again, nostalgia, 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 is, yeah. is, this, is mm -hmm. this is one of... So I've, I've said on my podcast, I think I may have said on Snakescast, I can't remember, board gaming in the UK is not as big as... It's becoming, thank goodness, it's <laughs> finally becoming 
a much bigger thing. But it's not got the culture yet that it has here, or at least if it has, it hides exceptionally well. Um, and so when I, before I came to, I, I, I got onto the Dice Tower as a podcast about a year and a half, maybe before I moved to Canada. And mm-hmm. up till that point, my experience of board gaming was Games Workshop. Um, it's like Warhammer stuff. Yeah, Warhammer, Warhammer 40,000, all that stuff. Carcassonne, which is the one game I'd managed to light on. Uh, Life, Monopoly. Um, I hadn't actually even played Risk, but that's just because I didn't have anyone around who was interested in it. Mm. But these are the games I played as a kid. And I think there's something warm about that to people. Um, and it comes back to that sense that the game wall can be a little bit daunting. Mm. Um, is That is the life vest that Steve mentioned earlier, where it's you go for the thing that you're familiar with. And I think that's a great appeal. And nostalgia is an extremely powerful thing for some people. I think I'm fortunate in that I've been playing games my entire life. And while I have played the lifes, the stories, the you know, the bonkers and, right. and all those classic games from the middle of the 20th century. I was also exposed to cribbage and gin rummy and mahjong and backgammon mm. and chess by my father or uh, by my cousins or whatever. And so I have a much bigger nostalgia net that I can cast. And so I, I have more games that I can look back on and go, okay, so I played those as kids but I've realized that's a crappy game. Whereas this one I played as a kid and it's still an awesome game. Mm. Uh, whereas most people don't get the amount of exposure to games that uh, that we game aficionados do. And so they don't have as big a pool to pull from. And therefore what is in the pool has to maintain a level of quality that it doesn't actually have when compared to its peers. And I think one other thing I want to throw in as well, just as a disclaimer of my own, is by no means am I saying that nostalgia is a bad thing. Uh, As you rightly say, there are many games from that period that stand up. I've played chess and that was invented, what, 1500 years ago or something. (laughs) I've played Senate, which is, I believe, considered to be the oldest board game in the world, uh, which was invented, I think, in something like 3000 BC. And these are actually very good games. It's just there are some things that the gaming community has taken and developed and improved upon. Uh, and that's where my interests now lie, is those games that um, have become deeper and more involved rather than, uh, you know, where I personally would consider something like life to be fairly superficial in its mechanics, where it's um, that loses my interest. I think we're just about running out of time for this week, but we're going to come back and go into some more games that are popular with the general public, not so much with enthusiasts next time, and questions of where that divide arises from. That's it for this week. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about on the show, tweet it to us at SnakesCast or post it on the Snakes and Lattes Facebook page. Steve, David, see you next time. See you then. We judge you based on your game choices. Be quiet, you. <laughs> the SnakesCast is produced by P.T. Douglas. Music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the show belong to the people in it and not the company behind it. Thank you for listening. Game on. Judgy. Judgy.